0: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. At the end of Groundhog Day, you may remember Bill Murray wakes up in bed with Andy McDowell. This is a bit of a surprise for him, since for the entire movie he's been waking up alone on the same day, over and over again. Something is different, says Bill. Good or bad, asks Andy. Anything different is good, replies Bill. And this year, I had the same feeling. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. 2023 started out the same as the last ten years or so. A few blockbusters, a couple of Oscar hopefuls, a dumb movie starring Jason Statham. But after that, things started changing. For a start, many of the blockbuster franchises started closing down. I see you. The way of water connects all things before your birth and after your death. No, not Avatar, thank goodness. New Kiwi James Cameron plans to keep them coming for the foreseeable future, I gather. This is a relief to Cameron fans around the world and to the New Zealand film industry, mostly in Miramar, Wellington. But many other hitherto hit series are suddenly calling it a day. You and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. Let's John Wick is over now, as is Indiana Jones. Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious are both grinding to a halt. Now, I'm not complaining, you understand. Frankly, most of these titles were running out of puff three or four instalments back. But it's very unusual for a cash cow to shut up shop while there's still box office life in the old dog, if I can mix about four separate metaphors. Hercule Poirot. I've found something. I've looked at it from every which way. I am the smartest person I ever met, and I can't figure it out, so I came to the second. You are up to something, my friend. It seems in each case, some brave soul simply said, enough already, and suggested the franchise holders switch the lights off as they go. As well as these great big titles, there are several that don't warrant capital letters in the description, but have also started looking a bit rocky including Rocky itself, or rather, this year, Creed three. The one and only Adonis Creed, you're the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Three years ago, it's been a minute since you've been out in these streets. When I walked away from boxing, I walked away with some unfinished business. Creed barely mentioned Rocky at all in the third outing, though perhaps former star Sylvester Stallone was a bit busy... As well as his new reality TV show, he had to put out the fourth of the less than exciting Expendables series. Hey, why are you here? I got this situation where I need your help. I need bad friends. The best description of Expendables 4 was it came and it went. And you could say the same about other B-list blockbusters like Transformers, Hercule Poirot, Equaliser 3 and Magic Mike's Last Dance. We're going to wake them up with a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hell yeah. Without further ado, I give you the visionary artist Magic Mike. So... It became cool in 2023 to admit you were moving on. This is very big news in an industry that for years had depended on one immutable rule keep doing it again. Sequels, prequels, remakes, and knockoffs, in other words. Even the risk-averse Disney studios started looking for something new after the so-so reception to the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. But the biggest fright Disney got this year was to be beaten convincingly by rival DreamWorks' Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Excuse me, my darling. We're looking for the legendary Puss in Boots. Have you perhaps seen him? What's a Puss in Boots? He is me! <laughs> oh! Normally, I have a sword. As I say, there was change in the wind this year, hinted at when the Oscars were announced. Diversity was the watchword, with the nominees the most varied in living memory. They came from Germany, Australia, China, Ireland, Sweden, Italy, and Malaysia. But in the end, there was mostly one winner. It does not look good. It was everything, everywhere, all at once that picked up seven Oscars, even if audiences occasionally struggled to follow it. No matter, at least they went to see it in cinemas, unlike the last dozen or so best movie Oscar winners over the years, which famously mostly died at the box office. As a conductor, Tar began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. Everything Everywhere left old-school Hollywood eating its dust. More mainstream outings like TAR starring Kate Blanchett, Spielberg's The Fablemans and the populist Elvis. You asked for diversity, it seemed to say. Hold my beer. In fact, the most Hollywood winner this year was Germany's All Quiet on the Western Front. My mother nicht not ich to krieg I wanted to show her that I can. Oh, Paul. Well, hold that thought because this year the idea of the most Hollywood anything got several kicks in the pants. The first was the upending of a cherished industry principle you can't make a hit movie out of a video game. Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow, uh, yay! But there's one problem. There's a human, has a moustache, just like you. The Super Mario Brothers movie was the second biggest film of the year, to everyone's surprise. True, other video game adaptations like Gran Turismo and Five Nights at Freddy's did less impressive business despite good reviews, but the other big video game news was a TV series called The Last of Us, the second most acclaimed game adaptation this year. you've come this far, then you know it's out there. You're not going to scare us. Scared him? Well, that's two runners-up, but this year's winner, both critically and commercially, was the all-conquering Barbie, which proved you didn't need to attract absolutely everyone to succeed. You just needed to hit your audience as hard as possible. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and planned choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. It was an example of dumb luck, too. The right project, the right audience, the right filmmaker, Greta Gerwig. It seemed that throwing the rule book out the window and making an art film, advertorial product placement, feminist comedy mashup was just what the public had been silently crying out for. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Coster! And the other rule it broke was don't get released on the same day as your biggest competition. In this case, Christopher Nolan's ultra serious Oppenheimer. The ludicrous concept, Barbenheimer, achieved the seemingly impossible. It got two contrasting audiences to see both movies. Not because they wanted to, but because they felt they had no choice. P.T. Barnum would have applauded. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Both films did spectacular business around the world. Oppenheimer reached number three after Barbie and Super Mario Brothers. And they did it on their own terms. They were actual movies, not further episodes of formulaic franchises. It was those movies that got the next kick in the pants. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it, and then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. Harrison Ford's swan song as Indiana Jones was rather more popular on TV talk shows than it was at the box office, despite a rumored half a billion dollar budget. And Tom Cruise's long-awaited final two-part Mission Impossible seem to suggest that it's possible to wait too long. Ethan, this mission of yours is gone. Most disappointing was that Dead Reckoning Part 1 had splashed out on such a great cast. Vanessa Kirby, Rebecca Ferguson, Hayley Atwell and the rest, but didn't give them anything much to do. But they were shortly to be outgunned by an even starrier Part 1 farewell movie, Fast X. They say when you're facing death, your life flashes before your eyes. Are they right? this is the finish line, I'm not afraid. Anyone who'd ever been in a Fast and Furious film, you could say who'd ever been in anything, answered the call when Vin Diesel summoned them. Jason Statham, Charlize Theron, Helen Mirren, Jason Momoa, Rita Moreno, The Rock, though they were hardly needed. I mean, Vin Diesel and cars, that's all she wrote. Vin actually turned up in the one success from the old Hollywood formula. We are It was the third and, as far as I know, final episode of Guardians of the Galaxy. The success of Guardians' guardian, James Gunn, came at the expense of the man who for 15 years could seemingly do no wrong, master of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige. She tore a hole in space. There's a different reality... Leading into ours. But this year, Kevin seemed to do nothing but wrong. A string of very ordinary Disney Plus TV series and overblown but underwhelming films like The Marvels and Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. <laughs> now! <laughs> The fact that Marvel's only big hits this year had nothing to do with Feige just added salt to the wound. Sony's Spider Man spin off, Across the Spider Verse, was as light on its feet as the official Marvel product was heavy handed. Miles, want to get out of here? Oh, win? So, wait a minute, there's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Right. Who's the new That's guy? So this is unbelievable. And Marvel's other big hit came courtesy of the man who's about to take charge of Marvel's deadly rivals, DC Comics Movies. James Gunn's farewell gift was to show Kevin Feige's MCU how to make comic book movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is beautifully done, a perfect balance of comic and book. We were always searching for a family until we found each other. For one last ride? One group that benefited from the rewriting of the recent laws of the industry were the previous generations, comic book sceptics like veteran Martin Scorsese. Unlike his old colleague Steven Spielberg, Marty had no interest in looking back at how he got into the movies. He wanted to make the real thing. True crime thriller, Killers of the Flower Moon. They have the worst land possible, but they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. (laughs) Killers' was Scorsese's best, most entertaining film in years, and he was joined by other old masters. Ken Loach's The Old Oak, Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, and the seemingly tireless Ridley Scott's patchy but still impressive Napoleon. As the course of my life just changed? Napoleon. I'm destined for greatness. But those in power will only see me as a sword. I suggest you take the throne as a king. There were some unexpected comebacks this year, none more enthusiastically received than actor Brendan Fraser. Many years after his last big hit, Fraser returned in a gigantic fat suit, giving a sweet and heartfelt performance in The Whale. An Oscar for both Brendan and, predictably, his makeup team. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask. For a more incredible daughter. Are you actually trying to parent me right now? Who would want me to be a part of their life? Also, back were the half forgotten My Big Fat Greek Wedding and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchises, and a welcome return of Jennifer Lawrence in a better than you think comedy called No Hard Feelings. My own happiest return was writer-director Nicole Holofcener and star Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the self-explanatory You Hurt My Feelings. You know what? As an actor, Mark isn't always great. So the times when you don't think he's good, what do you say, Mom? You are so fantastic. Really? <gasps> Mom, you're always expecting the best from me. You're welcome. Yes. No one gets more out of first-world problems than Nicole and Julia. In fact, it was a good year for women-driven movies and not just pink juggernauts like Barbie. On the quieter side of the street were two tiny British films, both featuring young girls and their slightly feckless dads and both directed by someone called Charlotte. You OK through there? Don't you ever feel, like, tired and down and feels like your bones don't work, like you're sinking? Mm. we here to have a good time, eh? Charlotte Wells got the Oscar nomination in the BAFTA for the gorgeous Aftersun, starring first-timer Frankie Corio and Paul Mescal. But in retrospect, I'm not sure I wasn't more knocked out by Charlotte Regan's Scrapper, starring another first-timer Lola Campbell and Harrison Dickinson. Your mum never wanted me around, you know? She said that, did she? I knew it. But you didn't even try. Come on, do your draw properly? Go, on, go, on, go, on, go, on, go, go. Someone described Scrapper as Ken Loach meets Wes Anderson, which is not only a good excuse to check out Scrapper and Aftersun, but also Ken's The Old Oak and Wes's nostalgic tribute to old TV, Asteroid City. And not just for Scarlett Johansson's nude scene. I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My, my, My mouth didn't speak. So Hollywood found itself writing new rules for itself mostly old ones in a new hat make the movie you want to make ignore the suits but the standard of traditional filmmaking was born by two regions East Asia Korea and Japan and France Stop I did not kill him That's not the point Il parle de tromperie I was honest about it Mais vous l'avez pas été l'année de sa mort avec cette fille avec qui vous l'avez trompé. Pourquoi The strike by Hollywood writers and actors was a bit of luck for popular French films. A gap in the cinema schedules meant opportunities for some great French titles like Anatomy of a Fall, A Good Doctor, and November. Non mais reprends-toi là, rassemble-toi, moi j'ai besoin de toi. Comment c'est possible que vous n'ayez rien Ça fait trois jours maintenant. But it was also a good year for Asians and Asian-influenced films. Everything from girls behaving badly in joyride and polite society, to the touching South Korean film Broker, and Bill Nighy in a remake of a Japanese classic called Living. Mr Williams, I'll tell you my secret nickname for you. Mr Zombie. Mr what? Zombies are sort of dead, but not dead. Oh, it's time to live a little. But for many, the best movie of the year was Celine Song's Past Lives. If you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend it. A miraculous blend of 40s tearjerker Brief Encounter, the story of Arthur, Guinevere and Lancelot, and something entirely its own. Oscar next year, surely. What a good story this is childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realise they were meant for each other. In the story I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. You'd think this year's pet topics might be global warming or the scary rise of AI. Intelligent robots certainly got an airing in a smart bit of sci-fi called The Creator and an enjoyably dumb bit of horror called Megan. Megan. But oddly, the subject on most films' mind this year seemed to be capitalism. Barbie in the real world. That's impossible. If this got out, this could mean extremely weird things for our world. This would be catastrophic! Barbie was as much about boardroom politics as it was about the patriarchy. Oppenheimer's theme was the clash between genius scientists and the idiots funding them. And the root of all the evil in Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is the oil inherited by the Osage tribe. This wealth should come to us. Their time is over. It's just going to be another tragedy. Eat the rich is the not too subtle message behind art film Triangle of Sadness, blue collar satire Dumb Money, white collar satire Fair Play, and Emerald Fennell's comedy of bad manners Saltburn. Oh, but darling, you're kind about everyone. You can't be trusted. I had them hang up an old school dinner jacket. We dressed for dinner here. Dressed for dinner? Yeah, it's like yeah, it was like black tie. If I've postponed reference to New Zealand films this year, it's partly deliberate. There were some, obviously, and clearly money had been spent on yet another hippie retreat movie, Bad Behaviour, yet another Springbok tour epic, Uproar, and yet another slightly too silly comedy, Red, White and Brass. You guys do know that no-one here can play an instrument. How, How can it be? We don't even have any instruments, though. Is this supposed to be a brass band or a plastic band? This is Tongan Ingenuity at its finest. They were all right, I suppose, mostly, but if there's a message this year, it's that all right, I suppose, doesn't cut it anymore. Don't just make a movie. Make a movie you really want to make and put everything into it. Passion is more important than a bigger budget if you were lining up a few excuses. I'm here today to tell you a story about a person who is judged unfairly in life never given the opportunity to show their true potential. And at the end of the year, I always like to give credit to people who gave above and beyond in 2023, the much-coveted Kate Blanchett She's In Everything Award. And the man who makes it look easy, possibly because he doesn't bother to go to any rehearsals, is Jason Statham. <laughs> said it was clear. I said the front was clear. Um. Front, back, right wrong. right, wrong. Anyway, shall we? The Stath scored four films this year, including Operation Fortune Rue de Guerre, even if it was mostly the same performance each time. But he shares the honour with a woman who's not afraid of a bit of hard work. All of these women are Barbie, and Barbie is all of these women. She might have started out as just a lady in a bathing suit, but she became so much more. Dame Helen Mirren it is. Not only narrating Barbie, but playing Golda a Greek goddess in Shazam, and Jason Statham's mum in Fast X in a total of five movies and two TV series. You didn't need to, Helen. You had us with Dame. Well, next week, Dan Slevin previews the holidays' coming attractions and I start work on a fortnight of Matinee Idol as well as a food show with a difference. Bon Appetit, Tuesday and Thursday and around dinner time. Which means I won't be back at the old stand until 2024. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next year.